0: All right. Well, hey, welcome, world. Hello, world. We are here in the Georgia podcast today in the Rich Heart Global Studios. It's uh, wonderful that we have such an awesome facility here that we can stay six feet apart at any given time. But um, I'm blessed today to be here with one of my dear friends and fellow Air Force veterans, Mr. Don Edward Long. Uh, inspiring today because he has pushed me back into my personal search for glory in writing and publishing his first ever book from the inside out, which was honestly inspirational to me. And I'm just happy to have you want to talk about it, dude. Welcome, John. How are you doing? Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me here today. Well, listen, um, I want to make sure that as we talk about the book, we put everything that we're going to hear from the inputs about the book in context. So if you could give me just a couple of minutes about your life and background, uh, just a little high point so people understand who you are professionally and where you come from, we'll go from there.
1: All right. So, you know, basically Jason, I was raised in a small textile town in North Carolina and uh, it, you know, it didn't take me very long, especially by the time I got to high school to decide that, you know, that's not really where I wanted to be, I felt like there was something more. So, uh, we had some uh, military recruiters come to our high school and as soon as they did, I started snooping around to what they had and next thing you know i'm find myself enlisted in the air force and down in san antonio texas trying to get adjusted to military life and so uh uh won't go into to all of the details but like many of us when we went to military we, we thought wow did i just make a bad call or, or what but <laughs> yeah but then we fast forward years later uh, I, you know while i'm staying in the air force uh a little over nine years and whatnot, um, and before I found myself, you know, transitioning into the civilian job market. And uh, that was interesting in and of itself, but, um, you know, I had uh, moved around the country quite a bit, had um, finally settled in South Florida, I lived there for a number of years, uh, working predominantly in aviation, uh, roughly 20 years there before moving up here to the Atlanta area, so. Um, and since then, just been learning and growing and meeting great people here and just uh, continuing to go through the evolution of life.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. And again, that was a huge part of the book, that mm-hmm. evolution of life. And it's kind of an interesting transition because whenever someone comes out of the military, a lot of people don't understand how big a change that is. What What is it like when you're leaving the military? Well, for me initially, I think I did not have... Uh, too
1: much of a culture shock from the military when I went into the civilian job market because I went into aviation and those of us in the military know that you know you're grounded in structure and discipline within the military and of course uh, going into commercial aviation aviation is a very structured and disciplined um, field as well Mm -hmm. and so so there really wasn't that much of a culture shock in, in that first move but once I found myself getting out of uh, aviation and getting into other uh, career, other fields, uh, uh, healthcare and, and other types of industry, I found the culture to be a lot different. Hmm. And so uh, I began to to see some things that, whereas I was used to being in an environment uh, focused on mission, and uh, you know you had that assert assertiveness as a team to 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 push forward to that mission yeah uh, I've, I found a lot of that uh, drive that I had not to exist in other industries mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. um, my assertiveness uh, began to be seen as aggression to some so mm-hmm. it made me start thinking what can I learn from this how mm-hmm. can I how can I use this to develop some tools and resources to to help
0: others gotcha and did did that start to shape some of the stuff that went to this book you had to look inside yourself to figure out how to be different approach people differently was that sort of start of the genesis of it
1: yeah, yeah yes it was it was a matter of, of, of realizing that um, and this like I told you when we met a few weeks ago uh, we talk about why we do what we do right mm-hmm. and and each of us have, has a different driver uh, I believe right. that our motivation is an internal thing it's not something we get externally Right, we can yeah. be encouraged from outside, but our our what drives us is inside of us, right? And that's what this book is about. Um, but but basically, for me, I told you it was a parable of the talents, gotcha. of course, right?
0: Yeah. So, I want to get into that parable of the talents because that was a great conversation we had, and uh, I, you hadn't finished the book when we first had that conversation, right? So. We we had not that that's going to uh-huh. be interesting to hear you bring that back and, and share that with the audience here but we're still kind of on the journey from from you transitioning out now what year was that that you got out and you started in aviation well i, I got out of
1: service in 86 86 and, and, and i was blessed you know i i you know like some people would say and, and like many military people we never you know we learned how to fire a rifle but we never had to fire a rifle in right, that, right 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 but, but there are still things that you learn and things that you did and, and things that you experienced yeah like so I I lived during the relative peacetime between 77 and 86. Got just you. after Vietnam and a few years before we uh, we had some of the first uh, uh, altercations from the
0: Middle East yeah, Once we started, we didn't right. stop. Right. My, my grandma used to tell me, don't go to the hospital. Don't let them start cutting on you because they won't stop. It's right. kind of what we've kind of done with warfare. Uh, but when you came out, there's the aviation industry. It's an industry that in the 80s, was going like gangbusters. I don't think they were contracting back then. Uh, 86 Eastern Airlines, was that still around when you came out?
1: Yeah, in fact, it was Eastern Airlines that I had gone to work for. I, I, I turned down my, initial, my my first offer I turned down, but mm-hmm. shortly thereafter, they, they offered me a second position. And and so I, I went down October of 1986 and began to work in their engine service center. Mm-hmm. And, of course, at that time, there was uh, Eastern Airlines itself was going through uh, – some, some changes in and of itself because there's a lot of uh, a turmoil as a result of, of uh, uh, union management conflict right? right. And, and going on. And so, uh, you know, there was a strike in 1989. And that, that changed the, you know, that company quite a bit. Uh, it started to rebuild, but ultimately in 91, it wound up, uh, you know, closing its doors. Mm, so see. it was one of
0: the first You got to see your first insecure job then? Yes, I
1: did. You know, I went through that experience of what's it like when a business closes, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and and somewhat like what we're going through right now, right? People are seeing that,
0: having that experience for the first time. How did that feel for the first time being asked to leave a job or being in that uncertainty? Because in the military, you always know the check's coming. How did that feel?
1: You had to do a lot of soul searching, right? Because, Mm -hmm. you you know, you've got in front of you, you think uh, you've got your objective, you got your mission, you've got your job, you got your responsibility, you got your team to work with, and then all of a sudden, it's gone, it's away from you. So it really starts you thinking of, of, uh, you know, the initial thing is that fear of, you know, what do I do now, right? and and then as you as you learn to get past that fear of you know what do i do now is you start thinking in terms of well you know what do i want to do what can i do Mm. you know how do i how do i start rebuilding right how do i in some in some areas you may find yourself kind of reinventing yourself because you realize that You don't necessarily want to keep doing what you were doing. You don't necessarily want to regress. You want Mm -hmm. to progress, right? You want to move forward.
0: Was that reinvention really an option for you? I know I didn't have much options. Were you able to pick what you wanted, pick your shots? To a degree. I mean, there was... uh, being,
1: it depends upon the area that you're in, right? And mm-hmm. what the economy is like in that area and how much it supports opportunity for you. Uh, for me in South Florida, there were a lot of different aviation companies and not just the airlines themselves, but there were a lot of support organizations. Uh, there were, you know, maintenance shops and engine service centers and whatnot. So because there was still a lot of opportunity there uh, to, to do that, it, it wasn't that difficult to, to, get do something different again mm-hmm. and and so i found my, I found myself um and again through a connection it just so happened i got a phone call one day and, I, and a guy knew that i used to work for eastern and he said uh, uh you know don i want to give you a call because we've got a, a need over here with this company and want to know if you might be available so uh, you know, one thing led to another, we wound up having a couple of job interviews, and next thing you know, I landed a, a job with a jet engine overhaul facility in Miami, not too far from where the
0: Eastern Headquarters building used to be. Well, all that's right. right. That's always how it happens, isn't it? These yeah. great opportunities come from a connection and yeah. your network from people that you know.
1: Right. And that's, that's the other thing that is, is an interesting dynamic. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people don't realize it uh, or, or understand the fact that 80% of people who wind up in positions today uh, get that through not you know blindly applying to a position but basically through a a personal connection or Mm -hmm. professional connection right so so we we uh, we learn about uh, you know relationships and networking right and how important that is because you know, I feel like no man is an island, right? As the old saying goes, uh, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, you know, life is life is not a solo sport. It, it relies on having, you know, uh, a team, right? It's a team, just like it was in the military. In the military, uh, it's a team. You had different, you know, the different MOSs and the Air mm-hmm. Force, the AFSC, but ultimately, you had the same objectives, but each of you had a part to play in that. Well, mm-hmm. the same is true in our life. Whatever we do with our career, it's not just us in that career, it's our team, mm. right? It's the people that we're connected with that's a part of that success, a part of that happening. You know, there's no, no such thing as a self made person, right? Okay, because right. It's, a, it's a collection of collaboration of others and things that we've learned from others that we we apply with our inherent gifts and our inherent skill sets to continue contributing to a group
0: that's interesting because I know this about you You didn't say this in your in your your little short life story there but you did move through the organization and start to lead Mm -hmm. a lot of people and a lot of teams and you wound up very high in the organization how did you do that yeah Yeah, with with any with any
1: organization yeah when I, I remember starting it, someone asked me the other day about my my onboarding experience at Easter and I'll back up a little bit there and I, I mm. told him I said I had had a guy his uh, his my onboarding experience with him was a clipboard and a pencil when he walked me out to the shop and he shoved the clipboard in my chest and he says, "Go to work you know and so <laughs> it was a matter of going out and having conversations, talking to people, uh, you know learning the ropes um, and and just developing basically that role for myself right and learning that and then once i learned that uh you know people people take notice right and Mm -hmm. so they would start looking and saying you know we think that you can do this and we think that you can do that so we're gonna we're gonna move you we're gonna ask you to come over here and do this job so i found myself you know going from a material planner mm-hmm. uh, all the way up to eventually just before eastern close i was managing uh, all three of their major engine accounts mm-hmm. uh, before before i left um when i went to uh, later when i went to the jet engine uh, shop that i went to work for again started there as a material planner kind of started not necessarily at the bottom but near the bottom for them and then transitioning up and before i left uh 12 and a half years later i was managing uh, all of their warehousing
0: uh, and logistics operations you, you always feel like that job was the right move for you was there trepidation before you took something new and different account uh,
1: management a, a, a little bit because again i think i think we're all a little fearful of the unknown mm-hmm. and and uh, i think you know all of us are, are uh at some point or another, we all get concerned about failure, right? Mm-hmm. But we need to learn to not fear that failure because that's how we learn. That's how we grow. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Um, you know, m- much like the analogy of uh, you know anything that you want to strengthen, even if you want to strengthen your body, right? You yeah. have to have uh, something that actually you know, tears the muscle for the muscle to build up, right? Well, the same thing is for us in our in our personal professional growth we're going to go through pains right we're going, to, we're going to experience some some negative things and we can learn from those negative things we can grow from those negative things mm-hmm. uh you know always uh i have found that always having somebody around you as a, like a cheerleader you know everything positive all the time yeah it is not realistic yeah right? uh, because because life is not always positive for us but it always
0: teaches us yeah. Right. Right. Well, I imagine you and I both got a little bit of that from the military. Yeah, uh, we both lived in times of peace. You know, mm-hmm. I was uh, a desert storm uh, kicked off You know, when I was a kid. And so after that, there was that long period of peace while I was in the academy. We joked for a long time that watch as soon as we get out, there's going to be a war. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, even when you weren't on the front lines or even when you weren't deployed, as I never did, We still had a lot of rough times in the military, and we had to find different ways of dealing with them. And you, when you wrote this book, I saw you kind of pull out some of the stuff that were common experiences I saw, some Mm -hmm. little points and details that I thought was pretty interesting. Now, a lot of it came from your professional experience outside of aviation since then. You've been doing some consulting and some other work with businesses since then, is that
1: right?
0: Yep. Uh, yes, I have.
1: When I when I first came up here to uh, to Georgia, um, I was uh, I a mean, one of the first things I wanted to do was really get heavily entrenched in the business community, and the easiest way for me to do that, one uh, to join joining the Georgia Chamber of Commerce. Oh. And so within the Georgia Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I quickly got a, a chance to learn, you know, not just big manufacturers, large companies, but a lot of small businesses, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of small entrepreneurs, that sort of thing. Uh, it was also interesting. Just after I moved up here, uh, there was a uh, there was a there was a lot going on with FEMA uh, and FEMA about the uh, avian flu. That was a big thing going on. So there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of preparation work and. And uh, and having healthcare pods that could be uh, deployed for you know things like inoculations and treatments, and we talked about what would we do if we had to you know shut the uh, shut things down. And Why does that sound so people. familiar here in and, 2020? And, and so it's amazing. Here we are 15 years later. Yeah, that that things that we talked about back then. Uh, uh, preparing for that of course obviously we never had that happen back then it, it kind of went to the wayside it's kind of interesting 15 years later we have that happening and we, we you know sometimes we, we say well you know wow isn't this 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 interesting right mm-hmm. so uh, but but for me what I've, I find um, uh, that I appreciate about this situation is um, I realized I was blessed to have had that experience, you know, working with and doing presentations for disaster preparedness and all the things that you would need to do to deal with a pandemic, right? And so I learned all those things back then. Um, But a lot of people today have not gone through that. They weren't prepped for it, right? Mm -hmm. So as a result, we have a lot of people that are still struggling and dealing with the current situation that we're in. Mm -hmm. But there are those of us that have been exposed to such things uh, that now we have not just an opportunity, but I think we have a responsibility to help people, to make ourselves available. Because it comes down to why we enlisted in the military in the first place is to serve, right?
0: Right. And you and I still serve. We're doing a lot of work. We're actually serving together. You, You have been a huge help to me in this veteran community. And this is a... Uh, big, you know, uh, is not the word, but you know, we're all knowing each other. We're all moving through the same organizations, the same sponsors, the same, uh, locations and organizations. Mm-hmm. So bunker labs is the one where we first met. Right. But you're now an actual leader mm-hmm. in the Vetland community. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about your volunteer work? Uh, yeah, I, I had an opportunity to, uh, get, again, and this is through working
1: with you and, and Bunker Labs and, and learning about that organization. Uh, but uh, I also uh, came in contact with Lloyd Knight, who is president of Vetland. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, after, uh, after much uh, coaxing uh, with him and... In talking to him, uh, in, in fact, I didn't know if I was getting to be more of a pest to him, but it's like, okay, you know, I, I, I'd like to help. What can I do? And, and so Lloyd introduced me to Kevin Horgan, and and as a result of that uh, connection, uh, I now serve with the, the Atlanta organization as a, a, a sort of a co-leader in operations and operations planning. So, uh, and of course, what we do with Atlanta, we could not do without some really amazing sponsors and corporations within and around the city of Atlanta and other organizations uh, that help our club do what we do.
0: Gotcha, I mean, VetLanta is a real good synergy of corporate will towards veterans, and I really like what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I gotta tell you a little personal story about VetLanta. I did have a bit of a rocky transition myself when I left the Air Force. I stumbled through a few jobs, and I finally wound up back here in Atlanta, and I was in transition again from another job, just like Eastern Airline goes away, jobs in other companies go away, and I have been plugging into a lot of other means of networking in the business world, and I said, you know what, I've not been spending time in the veteran space, and I found Kevin Horgan. And Kevin Horgan was doing something that wasn't specifically with Betlanta, but it was just a veteran, you know, hiring initiative. Mm-hmm. Be here, we'll help you out. And he was the first person who really, really was trying from a caring point to, to help me. And he didn't know me from Adam, but he did it because I was a veteran. Mm-hmm. And that's why I recognized the power of the Veteran Network and the power of what it could do. And I, because I was so touched of his help helping me find my next job, I said, you know what, this is where I want to put my time. And I started trying to give back. I've seen you doing the exact same thing through and throughout and you've been helping me a lot of Bunker Labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, appreciate you being a, a face and a voice there, specifically a voice, Mr. Radio announcer, Mr. DJ. <laughs> I, I won't put that on blast. You, you, you got some experience from, wow. from down there in Florida. Yeah, big on stage and leading a lot of people, large groups, public speaking.
1: Yeah, it's it's unusual. Most people don't think of South Florida as being a country western, uh, you know, haven, unless they think that's, you know, that's the privilege of the folks who live in Nashville or whatever. But no, when I was in South Florida, one of the things uh, that uh, myself and and several friends that I was with, we used to go out dancing on Saturday night. And so uh, to shorten the story up a bit, we we decided to create a country western dance team. It's called Keeping Step Dancers. And so we, we took that evolution a little bit further. We decided to make it a, uh, you know, create an LLC and all that all that sort of thing, a nonprofit organization. And we decided we wanted to take and raise money for various organizations and, and work with various organizations and their causes. So, you know, we had opportunities to do things for uh, Miami Children's Hospital uh, to help them quite a bit. And um uh, uh, another uh, organization called His House Children's Home that took care of foster children, and things like that. So, awesome. so it's one of those things that, and again, this is this goes back to why I think you you, you talk to any veteran, and, and regardless of whatever branch of service and, uh, that they went into, and regardless of what they did when they went in service, whether they whether they were in combat, weren't in combat, were supportive of whatever. Uh, for us, we have a heart of service. Right? Mm-hmm. It's about giving to others. You know, earlier we talked about, about the parable of the talents, right? It's mm-hmm. about investing, right? And you and I had that conversation and I told you, I said, you know, the, what that parable meant to me, it was about we we have a an obligation and responsibility to take the gifts and things that we've been given and invest them in others. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, when we do that, especially when we talk about when we're serving our community, when we're serving each other, right? Uh, it, it, it's collaboration, is commitment. We don't always agree, but we, you know, again, in collaboration and talking and discussing and everything that we do and bringing our experiences to bear, uh, we all grow. And we all, uh, you know, we
0: all benefit from it. And, and now more than ever, it's, it's important that we do that. Did that spirit of service play a factor in you moving towards consulting, I've talked to other people who are consultants like us Mm -hmm. who said that they wanted to not just focus on one company, but they felt that they had learned and developed enough skills and experience that they wanted the freedom to be able to share it with lots of companies. Mm -hmm. Was that a factor for you? Was that like a, a service mindset towards going into consulting versus looking for another just job? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to yeah, you're right.
1: You're looking to not necessarily be anchored or tied to one specific thing, mm-hmm. but the knowledge and experience that we we garner over a lifetime right, can help um, help multiple organizations, regardless of what that organization does. Right? Whether whether they do, um, you know, whether they do chips for computers or if they're manufacturing robotics for uh, manufacturing companies you know the the things that we learn about uh, doing business about you know what what drives people um, how do you how do you create that teamwork how do you create that sense of mission like we learned in the military how do you uh, look at at a uh, uh, you know, I, I tell people I have a, a somewhat of a formula when I, when I look at an organization or I talk to a person uh, It's going back and I'll, I'll quote Steve Covey from about 40 years ago. He said, seek first to understand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just like you, you, you don't go in like a bull in a china shop when you go into an organization, but you want to look, see what they're doing, why they're doing it and how they're doing it, right? And then at that point is that's when you start thinking, okay, what have I what have I learned? What have I experienced? And how can I take what I've been given over the years and my experience that I've accumulated and whatnot and, and what of those elements, you know, can I apply in here and do you know, pick that low hanging fruit and mm-hmm. what can I use to help this organization make some small moves forward? Mm-hmm. Because again, with any anything, it it's not like you 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 leap from where you are to where you want to be, it's, you, you evolve through that, right? And mm-hmm. it's, it's sometimes it's a slow process, sometimes it's a quick process, but it's a process, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so then you, um, you know, you pick that low hanging fruit, you make those changes that you want to make, and, and and then you, that's when you really get down to the, when you find the core issues, right? The mm-hmm. real, the real painful ones that mm-hmm. you know, you've got to rip the band-aid off and, and get in there and, and start doing the things but but yeah I, I you know I, I'm in that space like many of yeah. us that are in consulting we don't want to just limit ourselves we want to restrict ourselves to one particular right. business we want to we want to offer it openly to the world
0: right? right and now with all that time you've spent with all the companies that you've consulted with over the years and your time in East and you've Eastern and many other aviation mm-hmm. companies you've actually been able to distill down to the most important thing that any of those changes that you know, thought leaders and business leaders want to change mm-hmm. comes down to what you do with yourself on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so I really like this because it helped me, I'm currently in uh, my own growth phase and my own growth uh, process and reading your book helped me to, to bring that focus back to me. We can't affect the organization, we can't drive change. Unless we can manage ourselves. And I don't think your book was 100% about changing who you are, mm-hmm. but connecting with who you are and leveraging it. Mm-hmm. Can you just take us to the book and tell us what it's about? Yeah, it,
1: it, it's about, again, all of us have, will have external things that will happen to us. We will have external experiences we will go through, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the things will be good things. Some of the things may be negative things. But ultimately, whatever happens to us, uh, it's like the old computer analogy, right? Garbage in, garbage out, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yet, that's not really true when it comes to human beings, because of how God created us, right? God created us with a spirit, with heart. We can think, we can feel, right? And so, you know, between that, that becomes, you know, we have the ability to filter, right? We can we can filter out the things that we know that that were negative, that hurt us. Uh, we can think about how it made us feel so that we don't respond or act in a way to someone else that we know would cause them that pain because we can filter it out. Mm-hmm. We can take the good things, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and we can learn and, and, you know, grow our knowledge, grow our skills, grow our abilities and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so basically it, it comes down to we have a decision or we have the ability to make that decision every day, right, of what we're going to do. And I always say that I mentioned about motivation being internal. Uh, what drives us and our motivation and everything, no one can give that to you, mm-hmm. right? I say that that we as business leaders, as coaches, as counselors or or whatever we do in our consulting practices uh we we can either encourage someone or we can discourage someone right if if and the and what we do is as we work with people if when you see those negative traits right the things that hurt not just that individual but hurt their interactions with other individuals those are the things that we we Coach them in such a way that we discourage that behavior right right we want to find those good skill sets those good traits within an individual and that's where we encourage right so so we're constantly working with people in that regard but uh, it, it really it, it comes down to us I well said it's from the inside out right? yeah however we're going how we choose to respond in any environment whether yeah. it's you know the, the the loss of a loved one the loss of a job you know a, a change a major change that we're going through in our lives what we're dealing with right now, right? It's very important is, you know, we can we can get caught up on what's we hear externally, but we can sit and reflect about ourselves and think, how do I want to respond? How do I wanna be? How do I wanna interact with others? You know, do I want to isolate and shut myself off? Or do I want to, hey, I wanna, you know, I'm gonna do the smart thing. I'm gonna be wise about it. I'm gonna take the precautions I need to take. But mm-hmm. hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out. I'm going to see who I can help, who can I,
0: who can I serve, right? Absolutely. Uh, You're here now doing that today. You know, we're all making that uh, dangerous trip out into the the, uh, virus-laden world to try to uh, reach each other and create something on this platform that can help the world. So I appreciate that. You said something excellent a second ago, and I remember you saying this in the book as well, that um, all motivation is internal. Even if there are external circumstances that come against us, we're told to do something, we're internally motivated to comply or to respond heroically to some adversity. All motivations are internal, and I like that. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand where they come from and don't know them, then you can't manage that. Uh, The chapter you wrote that struck me the most was, and we talked about this the other day, Mm -hmm. there's no one right way to get something done. Mm-hmm. And I think I fall into this way too much where, especially guys in the military, we get a lot of dogmas to what we as, as leaders and as men should do. And, and just men of a certain age, we've just been trained that there is a right way and the and an only way you should be. Mm-hmm. And we really force that on ourselves a lot. And it's been painful for me. It really has and shooting myself to death, mm-hmm. but you got me to see some things about looking at things differently. And, uh, I I, rather than tell the world what that is, and rather than uh, you know spoiling the book, I want them to go read it. I I want you to tell me how you found that. Like, what things led you to realize that? How did you get to that to be able to write that that great chapter? Well, again, a lot of it comes from
1: observation, Mm -hmm. reflecting, and I talk about filtering things, right? And uh, and and, you know, in the book, we talk. You know, one of the things I was talking about was why do you, you know, why do people do what they do? Right. Uh why do people get locked into you know a certain routine or a certain format and stuff like this, you know, things like that. Um and, and so um you know, and not to offend any any cat lovers out there, I love cats too, but we you, you heard the <laughs> thing there's there's more than one way to skin cat, right? Right, 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 It's it's I mean there's some practical things that we've we've heard of through life. Um but 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 I think I I found for me that um you know, it comes to a point where you've ever you ever been where you're trying to force something uh, in, a, in a way and you find that, hey, you know, this isn't working out. I'm going to force this. I'm going to make it happen. I'm, yeah. I'm determined it's going to work this way. And then all of a sudden you look at it and you think, wow, if I just turn this slightly or move it slightly or do something slightly again, right. boom, it just goes right together, right? right. So you know, forth. So so, uh, I, I think it's just a lifetime of experiences and just applying that and realizing that, look, that's what I said earlier, you, you gotta seek first and understand. Mm-hmm. You no, know, don't, you know, not everybody has had the same uh, path that we've had, the mm-hmm. same experiences we've had, the same exposures that we've had, the, you, you, you know? And, and so if you try to go in like that bull in a china shop and and try to say, well, I'm gonna force my will on this, right? Mm-hmm. Is without looking back and saying okay let me try to understand these people here right let me understand you know this this person that you know makes widgets mm-hmm. right Great widget maker uh, you, you know you don't want to just automatically go make them a leader of individuals right because mm-hmm. you do that and you set them up for failure absolutely uh,
0: um
1: but uh yeah
0: I know that in terms of that flexibility for you, knowing you personally, that faith and family form the framework of your philosophy. So I wonder if having that kind of faith perspective helps you be able to to say that, you know, there might be another way and just Mm -hmm. not being so aggressive at forcing things for yourself.
1: Yeah, you know, especially in today's day and time. I mean, again, you know, history, we won't know for a couple of years. Uh, What's going to be? History tells all, right? Mm-hmm. But but if you look at it more like today, and you talk about about faith and and what we're going through with our struggles today, the uh, uh, trying to get over this pandemic thing, um, I, it, if I had a crystal ball to look into the future, okay, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I think that what for for me, and I'll just. Say so from my perspective, uh, I choose, okay, not to get caught up in what I call all the noise that's mm-hmm. out there. Right? We're all hearing all the conspiracy theories, and we hear all the numbers, and we hear the things that are going on. But when it when it comes right down to it, what's important? Hmm. What's important is who are we? Who's around us? You know, our family, our friends. And again, having that faith, having that constant, have, having that belief, right? nothing, nothing's promised to us, right? Uh, tomorrow's not promised, uh, but but it's it's a matter of of anchoring ourselves into that that foundation, right, mm-hmm. uh, in, inside of ourselves, and and maintaining that and realizing that regardless of everything else that's going on, mm-hmm. I'm here, I'm here now, right? I'm anchored. That's it. So, Anchored in,
0: in the moment as well.
1: Right, and, and just being ready and available to, uh, how, you know, what can I do? How can I help someone? Right.
0: You know? uh, that's exactly it, the way i describe you to other people. It really it, is. It's almost
1: like when you drive down the road and see somebody with a flat tire. Do you stop or do you keep going and figure they're going to call
0: AAA? No, there you go. Well, that depends on if you're on your way to serve as well. <laughs> it, it, right.
1: It depends upon if it's raining or
0: not. Right? Yeah, that's it. Well, you did say that you don't have a crystal ball and you can't see the future, but we all have plans. Mm-hmm. We, we know where we want things to go, and you are now a published author. You've inspired me to be one, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're already in your second edition. You've already got another version of the book that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us where you uh, want this to go. Who's it intended for, and where do you see this book or series or whatever might be going I wrote this book to be for anyone, and there's a there's
1: a section in there that talks about who's the book for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's if you're living, breathing, human being, right? Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter if you're a CEO of a corporation or if you're the you're the person that pushes the broom, right? All of us, all of us, you know, uh, yearn for something in life, right? Mm-hmm. And each of us, regardless of what our uh what our abilities are all all of us have a response we have a responsibility to each other Mm -hmm. in a number of different capacities we don't you know we don't have to have our name on a big marquee we don't have to be the the most you know the highest paid um sports figure or movie star or anything else you know Mm -hmm. it's it's what lives do you touch you know Mm -hmm. from that you know i've got that New grandbaby of mine that uh, I'm hoping to have a lot of touches with him soon, as soon as, our, soon as uh, we can, right? as soon as we can, as soon as we can <laughs> have that interaction. But, but you know, we touch people every day. We we have an impact yeah. every day. And whether that imp- impact is going to be positive or negative is really up to us. But we do have a responsibility.
0: To each well, other. excellent. So where can people find the book and how can they contact you for your services in the business world?
1: Well... Uh, well, as far as the book, the book is on Amazon KDP. Uh, if if they you know want to uh, to reach out to me, I'd be happy to provide them the link for that, or they can look up the book um, from the inside out, plotting the course of our personal professional life on uh, Amazon. And as far as reaching out to me, uh, they can reach out uh, at my email longinsightsllc.com or um, uh, reach out to me and leave me a message and I'll reach back out to them and we'll get together as soon as we can and talk on the phone or go have that cup of coffee as soon as our coffee shop's open back up and we'll make it happen.
0: As always an unmitigated pleasure. I appreciate it and I can't wait for us to actually be able to sit down to a beer one of these days. All right. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. Take care. Have a great day.